Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by BetDAC. Get 0% commission on all sports for 100 days when you join BetDAC.com. New customers only, terms and conditions apply. And by All About Sunday, the ownership experience where you can own three racehorses for only £18.99 per month. Visit AllAboutSunday.com to get involved today. Now, here's your host, Emmett Kennedy. Hello and welcome to the show. It is great to have your company. Time Forms Mark Milligan is here alongside me. Welcome back, Mark. Good afternoon, and um, it's it's been another cold one, hasn't it? <laughs> we were talking last week about how cold it was. It's been even colder this week, and the prospect of jumps racing is not great for the weekend. All the, the UK stuff is off. We've still got a couple of Irish meetings hanging in the balance, but we've got, got some all-weather stuff to look at, so that'll be good. Yes, we are going to be taking a trip down all-weather lane. In, in a few minutes, and uh, hopefully we'll be banging in some festive gravy for you. Um, the As you said, the jumps racing in the UK is off. Ireland, hmm, you can be optimistic. I'm not so sure that I want to be. Uh, the forecast overnight Thursday is for it to drop to minus seven. There's also a warning that it could hit minus ten tomorrow. Uh, the current status for Sunday's card at Navin, the track's unraceable. They're going to have an inspection on Saturday in the afternoon to, deci- to decide if they can make it happen. Um, but it's it's not exactly looking fantastic there. And that's a shame because there's some good racing uh, scheduled for, for Navin. Maybe they get it to go ahead. Cork produced wonders to get their meeting ahead. So possibly. The good news for Punchestown is that by the time Monday comes around, it's supposed to be a lot milder then. So we're going to go from the extreme of minus 10 to supposedly 4 degrees Saturday afternoon, 11 degrees Sunday, and a nice balmy 12 degrees on Monday. Um, but we have to get there, first of all. We have to actually achieve that. Um, yeah, minus, minus 10 is being suggested as a potential forecast for Friday. So we'll talk about the John Durkin Memorial. It's a very different version of the race that we were going to have at the weekend, uh, Galvin, for example, is has been rerouted. He's going to go, possibly, to take on Aplutard uh, in the Savills chase at Christmas at the Leopardstown meeting. He was certainly subject of a bit of a gamble today. Uh, he was clipped in in a few, a good few firms have all taken a, the chop the axe to him in terms of his price. It may be that William Mullins would like to deploy him to the other Savills chase on New Year's Day at Tremor. Maybe that's where he'll line up, but. Uh, smaller field, Fakir Duderie is in there, um, and of course the, the big one, 
that everyone is looking forward to is, is Gallop on the Champ. So uh, not as competitive a race as we were going to get initially, but we just want to see this guy out uh, and doing what he can do. Um, he is one of the most exciting horses in training. And in terms of the staying chasing division, which has now seen the emergence of Noble Yates and Protectorat is going to go for the Cotswolds chase. That's where we'll see him next, but he's very much a Gold Cup contender now, and I got him badly wrong earlier in the season. Um, Gallop on Champ is the next big star to come out, and I'm very excited about what he can do. Um, he's threes on currently with Bat Dak, and the reality is if he wins this race, he's going to shorten even further for the Gold Cup because that's just the reality of things with bookmakers right now. But what are you expecting to see on Monday from him, Mark? Yeah, I'd, we mentioned last week, didn't we, that we thought Gallop and Deschamps was probably the most exciting chaser in training. And he's still only a six-year-old, isn't he? So he's got his best days ahead of him. Look, if Fakir Duderis turns up, he's going to provide him with a, a really decent test. But it's one that I expect Gallop and Deschamps to pass with flying colours. He's just such an exciting horse. And I can't wait to see him again. I just hope we get the race. Yeah, I mean, Fakir Duderis is a top-class racehorse who's you know, just making that entry race his own now. Um, and he slammed Hitman, who is third favourite for the King George, um, probably mm. is second favourite with a number of firms, but there's been a lot of support for L'Empresse since. Uh, and I know it was written about in the Racing Post Weekender that who does Harry Cobden think he's fooling? But I interviewed Harry Cobden. That, that's where that all kicked off about, hey, King George, like, you're going to be on... I basically led him into, you're going to be riding Brave Man's game, but Hitman has emerged as a contender, and he's like, I haven't made my mind up. He's 100% legit on that. Uh, so that's going to be a fascinating one for, for the King George, but I don't know why he was so disappointing in this race last year. In fact, maybe Alaho just blew the roof off everything, but he had a prep. Um, you know, he, he dispatched Royal Rendezvous very easily in Clonmel, but he was pretty underwhelming in this race uh, last year. Now, there's no Alaho, but you do have a gallop on Deschamps. So in a smaller field, maybe this will suit him better. Um, but he's a proper flag bearer in the race, and he will give us a real indication as to just how good Gallopon is. And I think he's very, very good. I would argue whether or not he should be as short a price as he is for the Gold Cup, but I wouldn't put anybody off backing him. I wouldn't be, and I wouldn't want to lay him. I'm, I'm not going on to bet that and pressing the lay button, gallop on the show for the Gold Cup. I, I'm not enthused to back him at the price he is, and I certainly don't want to be taking a shorter price than he is now, which is almost what's going to happen when he wins, if he wins. But um, let's just see him. Let's, hopefully, the race goes ahead and um, we get ourselves back on track and, and things get a bit milder. Uh, another horse that I think is very important to talk about, and again, we're viewing this from the prism of is this going to go ahead or not our plan is to record on Monday evening so that we can react to punch us down but if it's gone then we'll, we'll just record in the morning instead and we'll, we'll talk about some other stuff Dennis O'Regan's going to be on the show with Barry Call and myself and there's plenty to talk about in the world of racing right now so we won't be stuck but Appreciated is set to make his debut over fences in the beginner's chase 240 at Punchestown live on racing TV he had been due to run at the weekend um so this is his, his rescheduled plan. And you were speaking to a big-time Charlie and Patrick Mullins, who was on the show, the final four a few weeks ago. 
and he said something quite interesting to you yesterday for time for him. Yeah, um, Patrick Mullins, who um, in his capacity as a, an ambassador for time form and sporting life was on um, one of our Zoom calls yesterday and he was asked the question of all the stable stars in the Mullins yard, which one, if he had the choice, would he choose to ride this season? Which is the one stable star he's most excited about and if he got the choice, would he ride and he chose, and bear in mind, we've just spoken about Galloping Deschamps, haven't we? He chose Appreciate It. He Damn. said, I'd love to ride Appreciate It over fences. And and there was a glint in his eye. He looked genuinely excited when talking about how well Appreciate It had schooled at home. And when you look at how many talented horses are in that stable, and he's picked out this one horse, above all others, as the one he would most like to ride. I think that's a, a very big tip in itself. That's huge. Uh, particularly seeing as what I had heard even uh, like a week ago was that part of the reason that Sir Gerard was being talked about as staying over hurdles, and we still don't know what's happening there, uh, but part of the reason that he might... I mean, I asked Patrick about um, Sir Gerard when we were doing the Fairy House preview. And in that show, he was like, oh, well, Willie still hasn't made his mind up. Um, but, but part of the reason why they were willing to do that is El Fabiolo had been schooling so well. And that El Fabiolo was being seen as like the new star at the yard and would certainly be the, like, the, the leading two-mile contender. Somebody who was well-placed there had even said to me that appreciated it could be going up in distance, that it could be two-mile five, um, that he could be a Turner source, for example. Such was the, the belief in, in El Fabiolo. No sign of him coming out yet. Um, Flamebearer was due to make his debut over the weekend. Uh, he is entered for a race on Tuesday, the 20th of December, for a beginner's chase. And he's highly regarded too, having just joined the yard. Uh, but that is fascinating about Appreciated. Fascinating. And look, for next season, he doesn't exactly have a, a typical profile of a novice chaser. He'll be nine when the spring festivals come around. But low mileage, high class, uh, and a horse that Patrick held in exceptionally high regard going into the champion bumper at, at Cheltenham. Like, he stuck with Appreciated when he could have been on board Fernie Hollow. Um, but he, he such was his belief in the horse that, that he thought Appreciated was, was going to be just different different level, different gravy. Um, and it, it was a shame that, that he missed pretty much all of last season and that champion hurdle was a write-off, but he was incredibly strong in the market against Honeysuckle, um, mm. and, and that should be bear in mind as well. Like if, if, as, as long as he retains his ability, and by the sounds of what Patrick is saying, the 24-length winner of the Supreme is back, and of all of the talent at the William Mullins Yard, that's the horse that he wants to highlight. So either that means... In a crazy turnabout way, you've got the runner. You now know who Patrick Mullins is going to be partnering in the not-quite-four-miler amateur riders chase. Uh, not going to happen, obviously. Uh, or this is a fella to be following blindly. And in terms of his profile for the season, what distance do you want to see him over? Like, Would you mind intermediate trips, or are you excited about his prospects in the, in the Arkle division? <laughs> But yeah, being being really, really greedy, I'd like to see him in the Arkle division because I'd love to see him go up against John Bond 
that would be a real clash of the titans, wouldn't it, in the Arkle? Yeah. That's something I would love to see. Yeah, that's a very exciting prospect. Hopefully we will see him. 240, punches town. On Monday, the long walk hurdle obviously fell by the wayside. Uh, it's been announced today that is it's being switched to Kempton for Boxing Day, St. Stephen's Day, which is music to Nicky Henderson's ears because we were talking to him on, on TalkSport this morning um, with a view to having him on and playing it out in the afternoon's show and racing live. And uh, he wasn't happy about some of the races that have been cancelled. And he had heard that Kempton was going to get the long walk and it's great. He was very much in favour of that. It's only been confirmed in the last while that that's actually going to happen. But it leads me to ask you a question, Mark Milligan. Why is it okay to reschedule the long walk hurdle, but the Beulah, and I get it, the Christmas hurdle is going to be on Boxing Day, so you can't exactly have the Beulah run on that day. But why is the December Gold Cup, the Beulah, the Albert Bartlett Novices Hurdle, the Great two that um, Nigel Tristan Davis had the favourite for, we've all been caught, and David Pipe is going to run Thomas Moore. Why are those races all being told to go and take, go and kick rocks? Screw you, sponsors. Screw you, betters. Screw you, uh, owners, trainers, jockeys. Yeah, we're not salvaging any of those races. Oh, but we're going to save the long walk. Why are they picking and choosing one race over everything else? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think that the the general impression I got from reading quotes about this was that they thought that they, being the people in charge, thought that there were plenty of other opportunities for the horses that were engaged in those other races and maybe not so many opportunities for these three-mile hurdlers. Now, whether that's the right thing or the wrong thing, I'm not too sure. But by the looks of it, I think that was their logic. Hmm. Hmm. So, ultimately, this is... Cheltenham's loss is Kempton's gain because... The reason that Paul Nichols with Napper Sale, Nigel Tristan Davis with I Like to Move It, and Nicky with Epitant, the reason that they were going for the Beulah, which is the original name of the international hurdle, bring it back, please, thanks very much. Uh, the reason they were going for the international hurdle is they don't want to face Constitution Hill. Now they're probably being forced into that, and I can completely understand why Nicky in particular is very pissed about that. Um, to be fair to Nigel Tristan Davis, he had said long before Constitution Hill was going for the Christmas hurdle, he had said after the Greatwood, yeah, we're going for the International, we're going to go for the Beulah. I think Paul Nichols had, had said the same thing after they beat So Royal. Um, and they would have been, look, someone's got to finish second. If Honeysuckle gets beaten in the Irish Champion hurdle and goes for the Mares, something has to come along and finish second. Something has to win if there's a God forbid, a Bouvadere-type scenario where the short price favourite in the champion hurdle falls. Um, you know, Racing is a funny old game. Strange things happen. So, And speaking of strange things happening, uh, Chelmsford has been abandoned. Damn! They can't even get the all-weather going in this since weather. Great! Dundalk falls by the wayside because of freezing fog. <laughs> Newcastle can't get going. Oh my goodness. It's crazy stuff. So... There's a two mile, there's a grade one two mile hurdle. It's worth more money, but you're going to be taking on a horse who looks unbeatable. That's not ideal. But why dispatch? Why just get rid of a valuable handicap chase? Why get rid of of an important novice hurdle? I 
don't understand. Like the long walk hurdle is a very prestigious race and it's very important and it's great that it's being saved. But if you're going to save that, why can't you save some of the other races that you've just let fall by the wayside? And how do the sponsors feel about all that? Yeah, it's not an ideal situation, is it? Uh, particularly when you look at that two-mile division, Nicky Henderson's going. Is basically going to be forced to run Epiton against Constitution Hill yep. again, isn't he? And knowing full well that if they both turn up and run their races, Epiton's playing for second place at best in that race. So he wouldn't have wanted to run them against each other, but he's kind of going to be forced into it now. There's a potential for a crazy Ivan. Epiton is not entered in the Matheson hurdle at Leopardstown, but Constitution Hill is. So given the fact that Michael Buckley has said it publicly and that Nicky suggested it, could Constitution Hill come to Ireland at Christmas time and let Epiton go for the Christmas hurdle? Probably not. Probably not. Do it, Nikki. It'd be hilarious. Come on, Nikki. Leopardstown will love it. Racing TV will love it. RTE will love it. We'll love it. Be amazing. Statement taken on Constitution Hill already. Be epic. Uh, it's not going to happen, but um, we can we can dream. We can dream in this funny old game. Um, I don't know if there is a supplementary stage for Epiton, and if JP wants to do that, but she's not going to be Constitution Hill, uh, and very few are. Right. I think we can start talking about the weekend's racing that we think is going to happen. And bear in mind when Jumpsford falls by the wayside as well. Who knows what's going to happen in this weird and wonderful world. But given the fact that we've got Mark with us, one thing I can tell you is the gravy's about to flow for the all-weather. Cold in the sea. Yeah! There's gold in them there, sad boys! Let's go! Fun dog! Friday night! Friday night lights, baby! Oh, I can't wait. It's been so long since we played that sweeper. A uh, bit of Lingfield on Saturday as well. Some proper racing going on. We, we are bringing the gravy to you. right? If we can't comment on what we would love to comment on normally, middle of a jump season, then we will switch to the gold in the sand and a man who writes about Dundalk regularly is going to provide us with some top-class insight. No pressure, son. No pressure. So 4.30, the, <laughs> the um, maiden uh, for two-year-olds over six furlongs. Uh, some interesting runners in here. We've got a Havana Gray. Who, Havana Gray had a, had a tremendous season. Havana Notion for John James Fern. Um, Alexander John's going to be favorite alongside Song for Whoever. You would imagine some affair is going to be fairly prominent in the betting as well. We have no market as things stand. Uh, who are you liking and why did you choose this race? Yeah, I think Alexander John and Song for Whoever are going to be prominent at the head of the market. I, I didn't want either of them, really. Alexander John's already been beaten four times, finished third on three of those occasions. And Song for Whoever ran a perfectly good race on debut, finishing second to a horse called Araniti, but then regressed off the back of that when only eighth last time so look those two are going to take a fair chunk out of the front of the market but i think they're both beatable and i was really interested in joseph o'brien's newcomer summer fair and do you know what really interests me about this is that 
she's a, a filly who's sired by um, Summer Front, who was a really good turf horse in the States for Christophe Clement. We don't see many Summer Fronts in Europe, hardly any, no. in fact. But he was by Warfront. So although he was a turf horse himself, his sire was a really good dirt horse. She's also dirt bred on the dam's side. She's out of a Malibu moon mare. So she's bred to absolutely relish an artificial surface. The one knock, I would say, is she's not drawn ideally. She's drawn 12 of 12. Yeah, I was going to say. So she's going to have to be, she's going to have to be a little bit sharp from there or Declan McDonough's going to have to drop in and ride for luck. But I just thought the two at the front of the market here were beatable. They were both worth taking on. And that's a really, really attractive pedigree for Joseph O'Brien's newcomer. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful pedigree, um, to be fair. And I think I think this horse was, was picked up rather cheaply. Like almost surprise. Yeah, fifteen grand in twenty twenty one was then withdrawn from the sale from the Goff Breeze up sale, so it was probably bought privately then afterwards. But um let's go. Let's go. A seven to four. We've got betting through. So Declan McDonough, Joseph O'Brien's yard in tremendous form. Um, it's not going to take a whole lot of winning, and she may be able to defy the draw. the The thing that would stop me is the draw. It's it's not ideal. Um, and I'll and just, you see that just touching on that draw that that for me at Dundalk that's not as big a negative as it can be at some all weather tracks because I actually think the centre towards near side in the stand side is often the place to be at Dundalk. And if you're more towards the inner, that can be something of a disadvantage. So as long as you're not trapped too wide on the turn, I don't think it's a disadvantage to challenge wide in the straight. Fair shout. Very fair shout. Um, the favourite, or second favourite, I should say, uh, Alexander John is owned by Luke Comer, by Dick Whittington, who Luke Comer bought from Coolmore. He'd won the Phoenix Stakes, didn't really do a whole lot after that. Um, but he's had a couple of runners this season. He's had a few runners this season. It's just it's an interesting story that um, this is something that Luke Comer does. It's not just that he, he goes and buys horses out of other yards and then trains them himself. No, he, he buys horses to become stallions. It's a it's an interesting thing that he does. Um, and yeah, you can debate whether or not it's it's actually working, but he seems to be loving life. Um, so, and he's he's a ten year old these days. So yeah, let's let's see how that all pans out. Uh, Summer fair, uh, seven to four, four thirty. The five o'clock is another race that Mark had pinpointed for us to talk about. Uh, the market is headed by Jeff Kidder, him and the same, um, and the not at all controversial the real deal. Where is the evidence? Seriously, where's the IHRP's evidence against Ronan McNally? Like, they found him guilty of some pretty serious stuff. They still haven't produced... They've, they've just said... They've proven that his guilt, and they're still waiting to actually announce what the punishment is going to be. But Ronan McNally can go... And I am not, by any means, defending Ronan McNally or... Uh, trying to stump up for this guy at all. Like, it angers me. It really annoys me what went on. Um, I don't have any animosity towards the guy. 
I'm very angry at what he's been charged with, and I'm very angry that the conspiracy and the people who were involved in that of what they did. But the longer it goes on where the IHRB do not explicitly come out and give us the evidence and tell us, here's why we found him guilty. Now, we're living in a, in a world where you should be questioning the narrative. You can't just have a, an institution like IHRB go, well, we found him guilty. Don't you believe us? <laughs> no, you have to demonstrate how he did it, how you have the evidence. And the longer it goes on that they don't actually showcase why he was guilty, the more he can, he can continue to go, this is a stitch-up job. That's not me defending him. It's me just making the point that this is crazy. It's a week. It's more than a week. And we still don't have the evidence from the IHRB. I don't... If, if you guys, as a group, are so stubborn that you think, oh, we don't need to listen to the calls of the media to give the evidence. We're the IHRB. We do what we want. That doesn't wash. And if they don't have the firm evidence to show, then you're giving him an out. You're giving him a great opportunity to be able to tell the whole world, oh, I'm, uh, this is me being targeted as the little guy. This is a, a frame-up job. It's a stitch-up job. I, I, it's so strange. It's such a bizarre thing for the IHRB to do. Anyway, he can have a runner on Friday. Uh, the real deal is currently 130. Jeff Kidder um, wants a Cheltenham Festival winner, 11 to 4. It was 2021, wasn't it? He won the Fred Winter. Seems like it was longer ago than that. Uh, he's 11 to 4. Aidan O'Brien's engagement ring, third last time out, a 15 to 2 shot. Um, Jeff Kidder is a reserve. He would be very interesting if he gets in here. He's going to be coming out of Stall 11, and the champion jockey, Colin Keane, has been booked. Uh, Shamie Heffernan for engagement ring and the real deal. Well, yeah, the real deal is the real deal. Uh, right, what do you make of the race, my man? Yeah, I was interested in engagement ring have you had a look at her pedigree oh i have Ooh. i have i've i've backed oh, this horse a few times this season uh and and it's made me go oh no but um she uh she could really be suited by stepping up to two miles couldn't she yeah well she's a she's a brother to the the horse who would go on to win the fred winter a year after jeff kidder did uh, she's a brother to brazil but more importantly she's a brother to capri as well. A, a sister yeah. to Capri, I should say. Misgendering her. How dare I? Um, <laughs> talking about Ron McNally, then misgendering horses. What kind of nonsense is going on there, that show? Uh, but you know, she's got a beautiful pedigree. The, the thing is, she's been frustrating. Like there's, there's, no, there's no two ways about that. She's been very frustrating. She was behind a very live contender for the Triumph Hurdle in Nuzaret uh, earlier in the year at, at the Curra, which was thrashed that day. Um, he's taken very well to hurdles. She never really got in a blow against Blazing Skies. It was more like it at Dundalk in November, and last time out was was okay, but no more than that. Why do you think now she's going to turn things around? I think she's a stayer. I absolutely think. She, she doesn't have a change of gear. You look at her pedigree, there's two-mile winner Cypress Creek in there. Like you say, the St. Ledger and Irish Derby winner Capri Passion, who won at one and three-quarter miles. She's bred to be an out-and-out stayer. And I think stepping up to two miles could be the making of her in here. And Aidan O'Brien doesn't keep too many going for Dundalk no. at this time of year. And I think she's really interesting 
on that step up in trip. Having said that, there's another one in here that I would have a small saver on as well, who I think will fly under the radar. And that's Dennis Hogan's Sky Legend. This one cost 450000 as a yearling. Damn. It's trained by Hugo trained by Hugo Palmer initially, then moved to James Ferguson. Dennis Hogan's picked this horse up for 8,000 guineas what? in October. And that came on the back of a career best effort, stepping up to two miles when third at Kempton. There's plenty more to come from this one. A mark of 66 for a son of Galileo who initially cost 450000 as a yearling. I'm not letting this one go and back to around, be around about 16, 20 to 1, something like that. So engagement ring and Sky Legend, my two against the field in here. 18s. Mm, you can get tasty. 18s and who knows what price you'll get on BetDAC. Like, request big odds for the win here because you're probably going to get them, but not for long because the more people hear what Marcus just said, the more of the final Furlong podcast pass, you're going to be like, that could be a nice Christmas box. That could be a nice little bonus. Um, I mean, look, the, the horse has, has depreciated in value fairly dramatically from 450 grand all the way down to eight. But what a steal for Dennis Hogan. What a steal. He could have picked up a real bargain here. Couldn't oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that was a career best at Kempton last time out. I mean, five starts, no wins, but wasn't beaten far at all. And the mark, it, it doesn't take a whole lot of reaching uh, to, to think that this horse can, can come out on top. Stall 12 isn't ideal, but Sheridan's taking three pounds off. Mate, I'm I'm swinging with Sky Legend. I'm I'm swinging with you with, with Sky Legend. I think I would ignore Engagement Ring, maybe a small reverse forecast on the two, and hope we shoot the lights out. But uh, let's go. The dream is alive. Sky Legend. If you if this comes off, I want hashtag Merry Christmas Milligan trending on Twitter, <laughs> and everybody has to buy you the alcoholic beverage of your choice, coffee either. We're like, no, 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 no. A nice <laughs> bottle of something proper. What do you like to drink around Christmas time, Mark? So something red and fruity, I think, would be, be nice. Good morning, I say. Uh, <laughs> Sky legend for the legend, Mark Milligan, in the 5 o'clock at Dundalk. It brings us to the 5.30. Uh, go to William Hill Radio Handicap. The prices, Ada McGuinness's High Time You Won. 7-2, to two and has been well-backed from 11-2. to two. Um, Eddie Lynham's got Linus Larby, a 9-2 shot. Mullacash Buzz, 6-1. to one. Inflection Point, 13-2 to two for John McConnell. Uh, and Scarlet Dancer, first-time cheek pieces, a 9-1 to one shot for James McCauley. Remember, it is 0% commission for the first 30 days with BetDAC. If you sign up now, take full advantage of that and get all the gravy. Uh, I was interested in Inflection Point, but to no great... I couldn't give you like a really strong argument as to why I think that horse is going to run well. I just think 13 to 2, Siobhan Rutledge on board, nice win last time out, um, and had a much higher mark back in back in the in the day. So if a mark of 71 could run well, I don't like the draw though. No. Um the the draw is 
tricky. Having said that, I'm plumping for one that's also got a tricky draw. Uh-oh. In high time, you won. Not surprised at all to see the money for this one. This potentially could be the best handicapped horse of the winter so far. And I don't say that lightly. This is a seriously, seriously well-handicapped horse. He was winning handicaps off marks in the mid-80s last season. He actually ran really well on his final start last season for Dermot Weld off a mark of 92. He then had a spell in the wilderness and his mark absolutely plummeted from that 92 down to uh, 74. He's now down to 72. I thought he ran perfectly well on his debut for this stable last season. Last season, sorry. um, Last week, last month even. I shall put my teeth back in. I'm stumbling (laughs) over my mouth words. (laughs) That's my line! Last month, (laughs) he ran perfectly well off a mark of 74. The handicapper obviously didn't agree. He's dropped him another couple of pounds. This horse is £20 below his ceiling now, a mark where he ran really, really well off just last season. He genuinely, genuinely could be chucked in here. I've only got one thing to say to you, Mark Milligan. Let's go! Oh, this is shaping up into being a nice bit of business being done on Betak and stuck into Sky Legend and stuck into High Time You Won. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Uh, we'll jump to the 7 o'clock, which is the InjuredJockeys.com handicap, IrishInjuredJockeys.com uh, Irish handicap. By the way, we had Ed Chamberlain on um, Racing Live today. He was talking about the Injured Jockeys Fund. He's the ambassador for them. Uh, and the Injured Jockeys Fund Christmas card um, and Christmas present list is currently available. So if you're looking for really nice Christmas cards, and there's plenty of time to get them between now and posting them for Christmas, uh, just Google Injured Jockeys Fund shop and they've got Christmas wrapping paper, they've got Christmas gifts, uh, all going to the Injured Jockeys Fund itself. It's tremendous stuff. Uh, really cool. They they have uh, the honeysuckle honey as well. So all kinds of different things to get stuck into. Wrapping paper, Christmas cards, various different Christmas gifts as well. Uh, check it out. And obviously all supporting an incredibly, incredibly worthy cause. Just Google Injured Jockeys Fund shop and... Um, support an incredibly good cause. Right, the Irish Inter Jockeys uh, race 10.5 furlongs at um, Dundalk and Venus Senna for Henry de Bromhead. Uh, it's currently a 7-2 shot. Henry amongst the winners again, so all is good. Uh, River Rain for Joseph O'Brien, 11-2 shot. Fascinating Shadow, sixes for Shark Hanlon. And by the way, while we're making community announcements, on New Year's Day, after... <sighs> Three years of waiting for it to return to its grand uh, glory. 2019 was the last time the Welly Race took place. If you've never heard of the Welly Race, what the hell is that? It's literally a marathon run in Wellies. However, along with the marathon run in Wellies, which they tried to make into an Olympic sport, by the way, and may very well succeed in doing so, there's also a massive parade. It's a whole heap of fun. It takes place in Castlecomer in Kilkenny. Thousands of people, thousands of people turn up to it. I'm hosting it with Shark Handling. We're going to be baked on stage. 
We're going to be wasted. There's going to be toasted. There's going to be pints of Guinness flowing left, right, and center. Uh, Shark Hanlon is an absolute legend and very much looking forward to spending New Year's Day with them on stage, talking about the parade, talking about the, the marathon, uh, and talking about Hewick and getting a few gambles out of them as well. We'll have the crack. So bring the family to Castlecomer, New Year's Day. It is an amazing... If you just look up uh, Will You Race New Year's Day photographs, you'll see the crack that it is. Um, and it's all for a very good cause as well. All of the money raised goes to local charities, um, the local hospital, and all kinds of different things. So we're all giving anything that... Like, I, I wouldn't take anything for it. I don't like to do that for, for charity. I love to support these things. Uh, and I'm very happy to get behind it. So New Year's Day, if you're looking for something to do in Ireland, the Welly Race, Castlecomer with Shark Handling. Let's go! It's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to having the crack with him. Um, right, is he going to be in the winner's enclosure here in the 7 o'clock at Dundalk, my friend? I suspect not. Mm. I've got my nap in this race. Come on, Mark. It's not Megan. fascinating shadow. It's Vina Senna. The case for Vina Senna is quite a simple one, really. He was miles better than the bare result last time when he was third to Bridge of Dawn at Navan. The two that finished ahead of him that day both stuck towards the far rail, which was the place to be that day at Navan. Vina Senna came down the centre. In fact, he was widest of all um, launching his challenge there essentially running in soup while the other two were on better ground on the far side. He was a bit of a tearaway in his earlier days, was Vina Senna, but he settled much better last time, which bodes well for this assignment. And and this is the cherry on the icing on the cake. He's been gelded since then mm. as well, which should allow him to be even more tractable. He was tried in some really decent races in the summer. Um, the King George Handicap at Royal Ascot. He even tried Listed Company at Dundalk in September. He was back in his proper grade last time. There's plenty, plenty of mileage in his mark of 84. I'd be disappointed if Venus Senna can't win this. 72 is currently the best price as we're recording. First time tongue-tie, first time running after the gelding operation and the nap of the night at Fun Dog for Mark Milligan. We got a patent, son. We got a patent. Uh, Venus Senna. By the way, I would like to let this be known before people start going, whoa, 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 whoa. Kennedy took all the money. Uh, no. <laughs> the, the, um, the engagement ring race where we're talking about Sky Legend uh, did you do something? Did you place a bet? <laughs> no. Because that 18s is becoming a distant memory, and I'm seeing 12s all over the place now. Oh, and some shrewd is going to It's not. It's not me. I can assure you. Right, because the not there's not yet. There's basically we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna miss the price. There's basically only two firms that that. I can still do business. Well, to be fair, I can still do a good bit of business with Kaluki, uh, but there's there's two major like sports books that I can still do a good business with. One of them, both of them have gone twelves. So the eighteenth is gone. I didn't. I have done nothing. So, Mark, Mark, uh, we we shall no, see. No, 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 
not guilty. We we we, should, <laughs> Although, uh, we we need to we need to wrap this up quickly before it shrinks anymore. Yeah, decide for yourself. <laughs> Loyal listener, decide for yourself. Did did Mark press the old back button? I don't know. Uh, but Fina Senna is currently a best price seven to two, uh, and is the nap for Friday Fondalk uh, for Mark Milligan. Hopefully, it goes ahead. Uh, Linkfield on Saturday. So we've got an interesting maiden, uh, a novice stakes even uh, to give it its proper title. Uh, it's twelve fourteen. It's sponsored by Talksport. We have no idea who's going to be um, what the prices are going to be, but we do have some beautifully bred horses, including a horse who was due to run tonight only for the meeting to be scrapped. That's Wigmore Street. Um, and how pleased will the Crisfords be that they decided to keep him in both? Jamie Spencer is, is uh, jocked up to ride. He was due to go tonight. He'll go now on Saturday instead. Uh, and there's a couple of other very well-bred horses in here as well that you were talking to me off-air about beforehand. Who really tickles your fancy for the 1240 in Lingfield? Yeah, I think this is a, a fascinating race. I think um, Golden Speech of Charlie Appleby's will favourite. He's got experience on his side. He sets a really decent standard on that three-length second to Nostrum last time in July. He's also been gelded Mm. since that run. So he sets a decent standard for the newcomers to aim at, but there are some interesting newcomers in here. You've mentioned both of them. Wigmore Street, he's a beautifully bred American pharaoh cult out of an unbridled somewhere. You would love to see him on the dirt, to be honest. I think he'd be spectacular on dirt with that sort of pedigree. And we've also got Sir Yab for John and Thady Gosden, um, a Kingman cult who cost 525,000 guineas as a yearling and is related to plenty of winners as well. This is, for the time of year, this is an absolutely mustard maiden. You've got to tune in and watch this, if only for, for pointers for the future. It's potentially going to be the, the most interesting race of the day for me on Saturday. Yeah, and it's it's live on Sky Sports Racing as well. There's also a, a um, 400,000 guineas purchase in Laser Guided, 160,000 purchase in Ad One, who's been a bit disappointing in, in two starts. 1.5 million euro purchase sword of honour for Andrew Balding. My God, money that has been splashed around in this novice. And we were talking beforehand about, it came to me, thankfully. Um, you were saying Enable, and there was another, I think there's two or three, actually, really good John Gosden horses. And the other one that I could think of was Jack Ops, who won mm. a back-end, real back-end, all-weather maiden. Um, so Gosden in particular loves this. Uh, clearly, Charlie Appleby does as well. And other trainers seem to be coming around to it too. And look, with the way the Crisford season went, who knows what to, to make out of that, how good that Coolmore horse could be. But um, some beautifully bred horses in there. And all, all eyes on, on that maiden. 12.40, live on Sky. Do not miss it. Uh, that brings us nicely along, doesn't it? As my screen seems to be filled with multiple races. Um, it brings us nicely along to the one fifteen, which will be live on ITV4. Uh, so this is a handicap over five furlongs it's going to be a flying finish who really takes your fancy my friend yeah now she's not the most trustworthy filly but Amor de Mavida is still really well handicapped based on her turf form she bounced back to form from a a lower all weather mark last time I was quite angry at missing her at 16 to 1 to be honest because I'd back to the time before and then and then, uh, you know, when you go to the 
the funeral and miss the wedding. Mm-hmm. Is that the saying? Mm-hmm. Um, it can happen. Still mate. got, yeah, she's still got an eight pounds lower mark on the all weather than she has on turf. And I think that underestimates her to a certain degree, you know, because I, I, I don't see any real evidence that she's an eight pound inferior horse on the all weather when she is on turf. Look, she, she's, she's a little bit quirky. She carries her head high. She doesn't always go through with it. But, you know, I, I didn't want to miss her again from that mark of 67. I think she's still decently handicapped. And she's got a fair drawing stall three as well. Yeah, I would I would echo all of that. Um, and I'd be prepared to just follow you in blindly, my friend. Um, I wouldn't be as bullish, though. Definitely needs a helping hand for the, the 150. Uh, there's a, a very attractive mark by Proform given to Admirable Lad, who's drawn in stall three uh, for Chelsea Bannum, Joey Haynes on board. Uh, they give him a, a rating of 208. The next best is a rating of 155. And he also has the highest speed figure in the race as well. So Admirable Lad, Proform at least, are, are quite keen on and is a 9-4 to four shot. Uh, would seem to have very solid claims on form as well. Won three on the bounce from August through to September, uh, including winning on the all-weather at Chelmsford. Came unstuck last time out, but was only narrowly beaten that day in, in the quest for the four-timer. Um, seems to have a lot in his favour. That being said, in the 150, what do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. I didn't have a seriously strong opinion in this, to be perfectly honest. There are not many of these who are coming in in any sort of form. Admiral Bull Lad would be one of them. Lothian ran well to be second last time. I thought Dazzling was interesting, but the stall, the drawing stall 10, put me off a little bit. He ran well two starts ago at Kempton, and then was he just was clearly not right last time. Um as we can see by the fact he's been off 66 days since that run. Danny Muscat's an interesting jockey book, and you people, regular listeners, will know how highly I um, rate Danny Muscat as a jockey. It was just the drawing stall 10 that, that put me off a little bit. You're going to need a bit of look at Lingfield, the six furlong track. The, the turn comes up quite, the first turn comes up quite quickly over six furlongs at Lingfield so no strong opinion if people wanted an interest I wouldn't put them off dazzling at an each way sort of price okay uh, I will stick with uh, dazzling is currently an 8 to 1 shot uh, and I'll stick with admirable lad at a 9 to 4 shot uh, things get interesting uh, a little bit later on the card when we've got an Oaks uh, well kind of we, we get the Winter Oaks Trial Irish EBF Phillies handicap at three o'clock. Before that, the two twenty-five is a one mile four handicap. Um, the market is going to be headed by Room Sukum. I don't know. Uh, Capricorn Prince nine to two. Vision of Hope with a first-time headgear for George Bowie and Danny Musket a nine to two shot and has been backed from eleven to two. Pablo Prince uh, five to one. Who are you looking at, my friend? Yeah, it's Vision of Hope for me in here. I think plenty of these are unexposed. We know a lot about them. Vision of Hopes having just his third start, her third start, sorry. Um, she's got the hood going on for the first time. It's first time in a handicap for George Bowie. Just spoke about Daniel Muscat and what a good jockey he is. She's off a mark that she really should be winning off 57. If she's got any ability 
at all. And she has hinted her ability in those first three starts. The draw is perfectly good. Stall five. I like the fact that she's stepping up markedly in trip. It's almost the old Samark Prescott route, isn't it? She's had three runs, one over nine furlongs, back down to a mile, down to seven furlongs last time, and now, wham, up to a mile and a half for the handicap debut. Top all weather jockey booked. Good draw. Plenty to like. Boom. Let's go. We'll take that all day long. As this then brings us to the Oaks trial handicap. Uh, Viola will uh, top the weights for Danny Musket and James Franchot, uh, but is not favoured. Queen of Eponema. George Morey and William Buick this time, a two-to-one shot. As C. Tresinia, William Haggis and Kieran Fallon, nine-to-four in those familiar colours. Sweet fantasy for Rafe Beckett, Franny Norton, a sevens shot. Uh, Tashan uh, is a nines shot. And Viola is then the outside of the field at elevens. Tequila Mockingbird, which is a cracking name. Haley Turner on board, a nines shot. So Queen of Ipanema has just been winning, if you say it quick and quickly enough, you might just get away with it, uh, has been tearing it up in the talk sport Winter Oaks Irish Phillies handicap. Um, she's on a, a tremendous winning run of five, but can that winning run continue in the Oaks trial handicap? We shouldn't underestimate how hard it is to get a racehorse to peak that many times and win five in a row. I mean, what a what a training performance from George Bowie, that is, she's, she started off life from a mark of 52, didn't she, when she started her winning spree? She won off a mark of 52. Her last win, she won off a mark of 80. She's now off 83, so she's gone up £31 since she started this winning spree. And who's to say there won't be more to come from her? But, you know, she's stepping up markedly in grade again here. And I liked C. Sarina. She's a lovely, well-bred, unexposed fiddly. She's stepping up in trip. I think you can give her a pass for her last run at first in September. Don't think she was right that day. I think it's interesting that William Haggis has held her back for this valuable contest. She's been off 105 days. She's got more potential than anything else in this field with just four runs under her belt. She's bred to be better than an 87-rated filly. I think she'll show it here in this contest. I like that a lot. I like that a lot, my friend. Uh, so we're getting 9-4 to four about Kieran Fallon's mount. Uh, the last race, then, is the 10 furlong listed race, 3.33, live on ITV4 and on Sky. Um, the betting is currently headed by Algiers for Simon and Ed Crisford, an 11-8 to shot with Jack Mitchell in the plate. A little bit uneasy, but nothing to get overly concerned about. Uh, Harvonian, uh, an 11-4 to shot for the Gosdens with Buick on board. Forrest of Dean, again for the Gosdens. Rab Havland on board. And how intriguing is this? William Buick is first jockey to Godolphin, yet he rides Harvonian, technically speaking related, but not Godolphin. Forrest of Dean is a Godolphin horse, yet Rab Havland's on board. Go figure. Uh, making me do it. Harry Eustace and Harry and Haley Turner. Harry Turner? I'm misgendering Haley Turner now, am I? Uh, <laughs> Haley Turner, seven to one. Right. What do you think, my man? Yeah, I was just keeping it simple in here. I think Algiers 
has got the best form in this field. He finished in front of Herovian last time when he lost a heartbreaker, didn't he, to miss the cut. He was still four or five lengths clear with about half a furlong to run. And it looked for all money as though he was going to get home and hosed. And Jim Crowley just conjured up a barnstorming run from the highly progressive Mr. Cut nabbed Algiers right on the line. And I think he'll make amends in this contest. If anything, Jack Mitchell will maybe hold on to him just a, a little bit longer here. It was Rab Havlin who rode him last time. Of course, Rab Havlin's not on this time because he's retained by John Gosden, so he's on Forest of Dean. But Algiers, he's interesting. He used to be trained by Andre Fab, you know, and he's even got a win on the dirt at Jebel Ali to his mm. name as Algiers. So he's a horse I know an awful lot about because I've come across him in my professional career quite a few times. I think he deserves to win this sort of contest. And it's, it's not an original selection, but I think he will win. I'd be disappointed if he doesn't. That was a really good win at Jebel Ali back in February. And he's run well in two of his three starts so far. I mean, he was pretty miserable at Newmarket, but prior to that, he had won um, and, and then ran a, a fine race at Lingfield when only just beaten by by Mr. Cut. I thought that was a, a fine performance that day. Um, and that should put him spot on for this. So you'd be a bit disappointed if he wasn't able to go and, and get the job done here. Um, small field. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. He'll, he'll win. Uh, question is, though, of those horses that we've talked about, because obviously we have your nap for Dundalk, but who is the nap uh-huh. for Lingfield? The nap for Lingfield? I, I, do you know, I, I, the last three we've talked about, I fancy them all quite strongly. Vision of Hope, Sea Sarina, and Algiers. So it's a bit of a, a bit of a toss-up, but just purely for the fact that this one will be the biggest price of the three, I'm going to go for Vision of Hope in the 225. Boom. Uh, I'll play it safe with Algiers. We're not getting disgustingly wealthy off of that, but we'll, we'll go with it. Um, but Vision of Hope for you. Like that a lot. Um, who wins the World Cup final, Argentina or France? And who scores first? I'm hoping Argentina win because I think it would just be the, the crowning glory for, for Lionel Messi's career, wouldn't it? To see see the little man who... Uh, now, I go back, I go back quite a long way because I'm a little bit older than you. So I've seen some tremendous footballers in my time. I, I think Lionel Messi is up there. I, 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 no, I'll, I'll, I'll say I think he is the, the best footballer I've ever seen. I'm going to put him ahead of Maradona. And I think he deserves to win a World Cup. So the haters, man, the haters for Messi would use that international stick to beat him. They would say, oh, well, he's never won a World Cup. He finally won the Copa America last year, two years ago, um, and they've been they have been electric, and he's been terrific to watch. He's just been oh, he's mesmerizing, oh, isn't man. He? He's it's it's weird because I'm not watching French football on the regular. The only time I would see Paris Saint Germain play is Champions League, um, and Mbappe is like kids, unbelievable, and he's got a massive future ahead of him. But there ain't nobody who plays the way Messi does. And I like Ronaldo. You know, for all that Ronaldo can do what Ronaldo can do, 
And I'm not talking about his ability on the pitch. I'm talking about that bloody Piers Morgan interview uh, and the stuff that he'd said about Ten Hagen. And I'm saying this as a Liverpool fan. Like some of that stuff doesn't just doesn't come off really, really well. But I like Ronaldo a lot. I have a lot of respect for that guy. Messi's just next level. He's insane. And the rivalry that those two have had for so many years has been tr- tremendous to see. Um, so to watch Messi boss Argentina in the way that he has and to be able to defy defences. like England kept Mbappe quiet. They kept him very quiet. He, he showed flashes of brilliance here and there, but for the most part, Mbappe was kept quiet. Nobody's been able to keep Messi quiet. It's, it's phenomenal what that man can do. This is the last time we're going to see him at a World Cup, so I'd love him to win it. Um, if Mbappe, can I can I ask you a quick quiz question? Yeah, of course. Do you know the connection between this Argentinian team and my beloved Sheffield Wednesday? Oh my goodness! No, what the hell is that? This better be good, Mark. Oh, it's good. Emmy Martinez, who plays in goal for Argentina, had a spell on loan at Hillsborough in the mid two thousands when he played twelve games for Wednesday. Did he? Now he's in a World Cup final. Oh, he did. Yes. There you go. Fun fact. I'm not even Wikipediaing it because obviously what you're telling me is true. Oh. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's like, really. It, it has been yeah, quite yeah. remarkable to see like some of late developing players like Olivier Giroud was a late developing player but we know his story really well because of his time at Arsenal and Chelsea um, and like how wild is it that he's the record goal scorer for France deservedly so by the way the guy's fantastic but it, there's there's elements of this World Cup that I'm very uncomfortable with and it's not hard to guess what those are but overall it's been really enjoyable it's been really enjoyable. The games have been fantastic to watch. It. Yeah, and yeah. I, I was I was out in the East Village with my good friend Pierce McCarthy. He's a newsreader from 96FM, and the two of us were, were tearing it up in the East Village on, um, <laughs> on Tuesday night. And once Argentina scored, that was it. It was game over. But you couldn't say that about the vast majority of the other games. Um, no. you know, even last night, uh, Morocco were still in they were still very much in that game against France, despite having conceded really early. Uh, and, and, just go back to the beginning of the tournament, who'd have thought we'd be here when Argentina were getting turned over by Saudi Arabia? Great show. Great show. Yeah, and fair play to Jeremy Fulham, one of my producers at, at TalkSport. Uh, really cool guy. He, <laughs> he, he had a good bet on Argentina. I had a good bet on Spain. One of us got it right. <laughs> I was on Holland. So I was Ugh, horrendously wrong. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, but yeah, listen, I've, en- I've enjoyed the World Cup and the third place playoff will be a bit of fun. It's the competition, the game nobody really wants to win, but I, I would mm. like, as much as I like Croatia, I'd love to see Morocco win that. Um, and the fact that it's a World Cup final of Messi versus Mbappe, but more importantly, one of the greatest players to ever play the game gets the opportunity to go and win a World Cup and just the way this is all played out, I think they'll do it. I'm pretty confident that they'll do it. So go on, Messi. I wouldn't have thought I'd be saying that as a Real Madrid fan a few years, like a few years ago when Messi was like the absolute most hated player, uh, except for the few times that Real Madrid were linked with doing this in a crazy contract buyout of, of his clause, um, which was never going to happen. But 
hey, Figo switched from Barca to Real, so who knows? But um, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it, and yeah, it should be a cracking game. Uh, and hey, we actually get to watch that. We still don't know if we're going to have jumps racing on Sunday and Monday. So at least we've got the World Cup going for us. Um, right, Monday, Dennis O'Regan is here. We're probably recording in the evening time. We'll be looking back on hopefully having seen Gallop on Deschamps in action in the John Durkin and the horse that Patrick Mullins is most excited about than anything else, the one he would like to ride most, appreciate it. He'll have run earlier that day as well, all being well. Uh, so we can react to that and some of the big stories that are going around in racing as well and building up to Christmas. Uh, and am I right in thinking that this day next week we're doing our Christmas previews? I think we are. <gasps> think we are. That came around real fast. So the day before we are recording the Christmas quiz... I believe, and that's going to be released on Christmas Eve with the answers coming out on Christmas Day. Spotify will release both. So Lucy Russell-Hughes, Mark Milligan, myself, Darren, I think that's the current lineup. Uh, So Christmas quiz coming at you next week. And two Christmas previews, Paddy Aspel, Mark Milligan, Darren McGrath, myself, previewing the best of the festive racing, getting you all that gravy that we could possibly want for Christmas. Let's go! As long as the racing is on. Um, it's all, It's going to be milder. High hopes. We can be excited. We can look forward to it. It's going to be incredible. All right, my friend. Enjoy your weekend. I will chat to you next week, Mark Mulligan. Thank you. And from me, Emma Kennedy, thank you so much for listening. Hope you're well. Enjoy the racing. Please, God, it all goes ahead. The, the high-class Irish jumps racing that's supposed to go ahead will be back in action, hopefully. And uh, we'll be here with you on Monday and a number of times then. Build up to Christmas as well. Be safe. Be well. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by BetDAC. Get 0% commission on all sports for 100 days when you join BetDAC.com. New customers only. Terms and conditions apply. And by All About Sunday, the ownership experience where you can own three racehorses for only £18.99 per month. Visit AllAboutSunday.com to get involved today.